Alright, uh, welcome everybody to another episode of the UNG Odyssey Podcast. This episode is a little special edition. I have um, very accomplished oh, yeah. comic, <laughs> very accomplished comic here, Am Nick Guerra. He's actually here in Plano for the, for the weekend and he might be here in Dallas or Fort Worth coming up in October. Yeah. But Nick, thank you so much for having. Thank you. Oh, Actually, thank you for spending. Yeah, podcast. yeah. No, yeah. I know. I know nobody can see it. Nobody could see but, it. But like, I'm like, well, maybe they heard. I, I'm having. <laughs> yeah, I, I am having a little fanboy moment because. Oh, okay. Because uh, I, when I first saw you, uh, what was like a year and a half ago? I yeah. Think, I don't bef- know. It's about no, maybe about almost, almost close to two years. But I had just started comedy. Oh yeah. And I saw you on stage. You're hilarious, fucking. Tell me about your podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, we've been doing it that long. Yeah, Damn. yeah. Wow. You have because uh, I still have your sticker uh, on my notebook, my comedy notebook, which is actually in the car. But um, and it started coming off a little bit, but like it's one of the first stickers I put on my my little comic book, you know, that I carry around to take notes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, people are always asking me about it, and I'm telling, I tell them, of course, it's like, no, it was Nick Guerra. He was here, and then he's got a podcast with Edie, yeah. who's, who's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. She'll be happy to hear that. <laughs> She's awesome. I love I love the way you two like banner. But it's funny when I hear you guys talking. I kind of feel like Edie's like your ADD child who's just going off the walls, <laughs> and I just hear you like, yeah. There's yeah. some times, man. <laughs> You're you just know, like, yeah, sure. What Edie. you guys don't hear is uh, when we stop the segment, how how much she hits me and gets mad at me for interrupting her. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, yo, you're going off. But yeah, yeah, I, I reel her back in. Yeah, I think the last time, one of the funny moments where I, I laughed at something was when she, I think it was just this last recent podcast, you were you were about to cut it off. She's like, don't cut me off, I'm yeah. still talking. You're like, all right, I'm sorry. Yeah, I let her have her thoughts. <laughs> but um, the shirts are cool, by the way. People can order the shirts through your website. Yeah, I think uh, we still have a, a few, a good amount. Yeah, Do you, are, are you just going to make more? Are Eventually, we're gonna wait till you figure out another. Well, it's like get rid of this first shipment, and mm-hmm. then uh, it's a it's a whole idea of like it's up to her. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's the RZA of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So she, she it's like yo. If you who want does, to do who it does again, a lot of the research for it? Me. You do? Yeah. I. I <laughs> she does nothing. <laughs> she just no, says, she'll send me some stories, but uh-huh. I I do most of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember the earlier episodes when I used to hear her drinking. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would drink a little bit. She, just kind of uh, go off. I, if I can remember, her drink is uh, not scotch, but uh, bourbon. Well, bourbon's her thing. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Anyway, yeah, bourbon. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, but, the idea was, like, get drunk, tell some stories, have fun. Mm-hmm. And then you saw, like, we started seeing reviews on the uh, on iTunes where it's like, it sounds like two people just... Having a party all by themselves, right? You know, and so we decided to stop drinking, especially when people started listening yeah. more. You uh, know, so it's that's like, the okay, fun let's part. That kind of makes it more relatable in my eyes, but you know. Yeah, well, everybody. it's all Edie, man. It's 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 up to her. I think she made the decision. Yeah. Yeah, to get more more professional about it. I was the one that came up with a lot of the way that we were publishing the podcast, which was start with a story, mm-hmm. then introduce, then you know really go into it because before it was just we would just start and then eventually get to the story yeah right? yeah so i remember that yeah, yeah yeah well i was just like i figured out that people were tuning in to hear a story 
And, you know, I'm obviously a fan of podcasts, and it's always the worst when you're waiting to hear the beginning, and there's just so much. Mm -hmm. So I was like, let's just start with a story, so at least whoever accidentally clicked on it can get what they want, and, and then, then they can decide. And then yeah, with a little it's bit like, of right, now decide if you want it. Listen yeah. to the rest of it. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your comedy career, and then I have some other questions that came to my mind. But, okay, you've been doing comedy for, you said, 13 years now? Yeah, yeah. How, how's that ride been? It's been, been great. Pretty, pretty fucking awesome? Yeah, man. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I pretty much... You know, the, the thing is, you've got to... you got to accept all your little victories that you get throughout your career, mm -hmm. right? And in your life. Uh, but oftentimes, it's hard to look at... If you're a truly ambitious person, somebody that wants something, it's hard to enjoy your own little victories, Right? It's hard to really take that moment and be like, oh, I've done this. So every now and then you need a moment of reflection. And I, like any artist, want to do better. So I don't, like when you're like very accomplished, in my head I'm not. But then I have to take that moment and be like, oh, that's right, I have done things. Because mm -hmm. I experienced it. You know, so I, it, it doesn't sit with me as somebody who has been watching it. You know, because I'm like, oh yeah, I did have that moment. But I don't really click into it. Like my mom, I took her to the Tonight Show. She remembers it better than I do. Mm -hmm. Because with me, I was experiencing it. I was just trying to get through the set. I wasn't watching it. I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't in the audience. You know? So I'm just like, oh, I got to make sure to hit these, these jokes. So her story of how the whole trip went is actually what people should hear, not mine. Yeah. Because mine was like, yeah, I was just waiting. <laughs> I guess you <yeah. laughs> yeah. know? Yours is more of a point of view of a person struggling to to, to reach something. Yeah. And, and you don't even get to really enjoy because you're, the stress of doing it is kind of like takes some of the fun that you can have out of it. Cause, yeah. Because um, you're focused on the task. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, so it's just that, like, every now and then I'll sit back and I, I'll look at my career and I'll be like, okay, I am a, a stand-up comic, you know, mm -hmm. in the sense of I've been on Comedy Central, done The Tonight Show, had the HBO thing, have another coming up, doing the dry bar comedy thing, was on Last Comic Standing, which is kind of what got me into, into trying out stand-up, was the first season of Last Comic. So to be on it, it's like, okay, so I'm following the steps mm -hmm. of a stand-up comic you know and you can often get clouded with with the idea of what we're supposed to do uh other people's careers other people questioning your career it can often make you really forget what you've done mm -hmm. you know because once you get into something like this the questions keep coming up first from family and friends well why why aren't you going to be on ellen when are you going to be on snl when are you gonna, they don't get how the process works yeah you know and then we forget as stand-ups especially nowadays because of social media that the true route of a stand-up comedian was always going to be at least 15 years minimum of obscurity mm -hmm. you know like most of our favorite comics didn't hit until 20 years in yeah i've heard that through a lot of um podcast comics yeah um <clears throat> Mainly, uh, I started. I started off with the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I went back and listened to some of the way, way, way earlier ones. Yeah. And that kind of helped push me towards comedy because I had, you know, I had listened to comedy. Um, I have a shitty warehouse job. Yeah. But 
I get to wear my headphones. So I was listening to music for a while, and I was like, well, this is getting boring. I was like, well, I started listening to all these comics. Yeah. And then some of my favorite ones right now, or not right now, but at the time, that have still great influences, like Louis Black and Mike Birbiglia. Yeah. Um, you know, Louis C.K. And then, and I was like, okay, I listened to all their specials, and I was like, well, what's next? Then a friend of mine told me about Rogan Podcast, and I yeah. jumped into the Rogan Podcast, but it was already like at episode 800 or something. Yeah, he's been so there I, for So a I was like, well, let time. me listen to some of the older ones. Yeah, he has. I think it's like almost 13 or 14 years. It's wild when you really think about it. <laughs> it is. And, and when I went back and listened to some of the old ones, I was hearing other comics talk about like their struggle and how they're bombing right now, and they're struggling at that time time period. Mainly like uh, Tom Segura... Uh, Bert Kreischer, yeah. Arnie Shafir, they're all talking about it, and yeah, Bert's been in it for a bit, man. Yeah, and he and he like, it's like what I think the past eight, maybe eight to ten years, where like he's really, really getting more out there. He's yeah. always had like certain shows that he did. Well, he's always he, been traveling. I mean, he mm-hmm. was the inspiration for Van Wilder. Yeah, that's I that didn't was know his that story. Yeah, I did exactly. not know that at all. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, when that was made, that means that. That being his story, mm-hmm. he was somewhere in the system. Yeah, he was in there. Just, yeah. I just wish, like, they didn't give him any credit for that or anything like that. Oh, uh, did they not? No. I don't know. I really don't know. No, he never, he talked about story. it. He talked about it. He said he, he never wanted to pursue it because he didn't want to be that comic who went back and was an asshole and then sued the company and then he's now labeled as a comic who, who like, you can't be a you're black, be, you're blacklisted. Yeah, kind of like yeah. blacklisted, yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot of those decisions. Yeah, I guess you have to learn to pick and choose your battles, kind of like being with a relationship. That's all it is, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. You got to learn to pick and choose your battles, mm-hmm. especially in a relationship. Yeah, I know. Yeah, relationships, man, it's... uh it's the, No high five? <laughs> By the way, Lana's here, you know, my assistant slash producer slash girlfriend. Yeah. So she, she'll chime in every once in a while if you guys hear her. The um, the best thing I've ever read recently, and it, it was on a meme, mm-hmm. and I think this is the advice any relationship needs to live by is, when there's a problem, it's not you versus me, it's us versus the problem. Mm-hmm. And that is probably, that should be like the first commandment, golden rule of relationships. Because I think what happens is, it's weird, man. Like when you fall in love with somebody and you start being with them, how a lot of people start going against each other. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. it's a, it's a, yeah, you're not on the same team anymore. And that happens more often than not in relationships. You want a relationship where it's like, look, we have to support each other. Mm-hmm. Like, there was this one comic, his wife was with him at, at the Comedy Magic Club, and his wife apparently goes to all of his gigs, right? Uh, his name's Clayton. And he went on stage. And as he went on stage, because he was waiting backstage, you know, just waiting for his name to be announced. His wife was in the green room. But the minute he got on stage, she was like, oh, my husband's on stage. I got to go watch. Mm-hmm. You know? And I saw that, and I was like, that is actually what what both people should be doing in the relationship. But I saw it, and I was like, that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, no, I'm going to go support my husband. You yeah. know? And I'm sure he does the same with her. Uh, and people forget that. Yeah. People forget that in love. You know, it's weird. I think we let the stress and the aggression of the day. And plus, you look at your your partner as as someone who you should be able to just dump emotions on. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we manifest those emotions against the partner. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
So if you have a shitty day at work, you come home, you complain your part. It's like, yo, give me a second. Let me first figure out what my uh, what train of thought we're going through. Mm-hmm. But don't let that aggression of work come at me. Yeah. You know, and that's that's a hard balance in relationships. It is a hard balance, especially when one person completely hates their job. <laughs> yeah, man. And then the the other the other thing is like men and women. You know, the problem with men is you you tell us a problem although you may be expressing it all we're thinking is like so what's the solution what's the solution what's the solution Mm -hmm. and that's the problem with men in the relationship is that we forget that sometimes it's just a therapy session sometimes Mm -hmm. it's let me just talk about my day whereas men are like all right well then just quit okay well then just do that okay well then and we just try to come up with solution and i don't know if that's just how men are wired but it's 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 one of the things that I think every man needs to learn is like she's not looking for a solution. You just need to sit there. Yeah. You know, and it's hard for men to do that. It is because, hard. Yeah, because it's like what do so what, because what it kind of who's feels, bothering you? What's it, the problem? It, What's it, this? It it feels like 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 I'm stuck in a loop, or like we're stuck in a loop. That happens. And it's like because okay. women like to analyze things from not only their point of view, the other point of view, the general point of view, what you would see as an outsider point of view. Mm -hmm. They like to really get into the situation, you know, which I'm not saying men don't do. We do it in a different way. Uh, But for men, I think it's just that constant like, okay, so we keep coming back to this. Mm -hmm. So where is the problem here, you know? And uh, we forget that it's just... It's it's, just, it's a struggle, man. It's not it's not easy. It's just an unload to, of thoughts. It's not it's 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 also you got to understand that like, or I have to understand in relation because you know I am in a great one. Yeah. Um, it's not like you. And said, that's the way to also look at it. See, huh. constantly remind yourself that you're in a good relationship. Yeah. You a know, good, healthy people forget to yeah, and remember the good things. It take like I learned this from customer service, and it's so funny because I I'm trying to work on some stuff too where it takes 10 positives to erase a negative. Mm-hmm. Like that's how much people live in the negative when something bad happens, right? And that's very much true in relationships is that a lot of relationships fail because of the one negative that people are obsessing about versus the 10 positives. Mm-hmm. And it's like, remember the positives, remember that, you know? Uh, when the negatives outweigh the positive, then yeah, it's time to clock out. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But you can't get obsessed about the negative because it'll eat at you. Mm-hmm. It'll just make you despise the other person. And honestly, once it's done, it's done. What can you do? You can't fix whatever happened. No, you can't. You can't. <clears throat> you just have to decide, like, okay, we can both be upset about it, but at what point do we move on? You know? That's a real hard thing people have time, like, struggling with. Well, like- because people want revenge. That yeah, they, they want, they yes, want. They do. That's all it is. <laughs> they want to get you back, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like that's not the point. It's not a. It's not a point system. Who's going to get on top of who on on this mm-hmm. situation? It's can we can we see that that happened? And it's as simple as this. Do you want to continue or not? You know. Yeah. Uh, and if you choose to continue. That means that problem should go... All right, well, then we have decided to move past this problem. Mm-hmm. You can't go back to it. Because if you keep going back to it, well, then now you didn't move on. You didn't want to continue. You wanted to stay in a place where I can't do anything about that. Yeah. I can't. 
Unless I got a time machine, there's no fucking way to fix this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's no that. Way. It's like, are we actually moving on? Because if you can't actually move on, then move apart. Mm-hmm. You know? And that that's another discussion that people have to have sometimes. It's like, mm-hmm. it's that. It's another meme. It's so funny. It's, I get all my, my inspiration from memes. Uh, <laughs> think oh, about the, the problem. If day, it doesn't uh, matter in five years, the modern, then don't spend more than five minutes. They're the modern day, uh, I would say... Philosophers? Philosophers, yeah, philosophers. <laughs> well, social media, as much as people bash on it, it's done this great benefit. Like, here's a, here's what happened with social media and podcasts and things like that, is that before the that outlet, all these thoughts actually sat in people's heads mm-hmm. and muddied up their brains. And when you look at social media and all the extremeness of it, whether it's it's advice like that or the absurdity of meme humor, uh, that's that's what goes on in the human mind, mm-hmm. and that's what I like about social media. It's like finally people are seeing how crazy you actually are as a human, <laughs> you know, and, and how you, not crazy yeah. you are because we're all crazy. And you see other people as crazy. Yeah, and and you're like, oh my god, I thought that. Oh my god, I do that. Oh my god, this is funny to me, and that's the weirdest place we're in. And just like with any kind of evolution of human. Uh, it's going to take 20 years for people to finally learn how to navigate properly through it Mm -hmm. because it takes time for us to adjust to it you know what I'm saying yeah I hear that a lot too like how we're like we're barely figuring it out like the same thing goes with uh, um, people and their gender you know we're barely figuring that out yeah well equality it just happened you know like gender equality was recent times compared to the centuries of of it not being there like and that's the other thing people don't understand about uh progression and pushing forward and equality is like look i know this is affecting you now Mm -hmm. but you're trying to move past the thousands of years where life was different yeah you know and uh it's 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 the same thing with like gender equality is a big one because you know this is a and it, it, women hate hearing this, but the the world is a man's playground. As in, almost every country in the world has its places where men are the ultimate. They are the alpha. And it was written in religion. And it was written in thoughts. It was written in. It's even in movies. Who's always the hero? Is we haven't even we have haven't even gone through two decades of women being heroes no. in movies. Uh, like if let's just say there's like uh, out of a hundred percent of the movies made, there's probably like what. Maybe five to seven percent, and then like people women. lose it when they see female heroes. Yeah, that one scene in, in the Avengers, the fucking you know the oh, incel culture. It's all about, these women. You know, like, all the women got together. Yeah, but the fact that they had to do that, mm-hmm. and the fact that there was that that weird like, oh, did they have weird to? little backlash? It's just that, you know, we will have, we are, we still have about forty more years before people actually that doesn't bother them anymore Mm -hmm. you know because we are erasing a mindset that has been ingrained in the human uh mind for centuries that's it social norms yeah we're erasing centuries and centuries cannot be erased in a decade Mm -hmm. you know but i get it people are feeling that pain now that's why we want to feel that change now and it's Mm -hmm. like it's going to happen 
you just have to let it. Yeah, give it some time. Yeah, and progress. Because because people don't need to change. That's the other part of it. You know, mm-hmm. you might want to change, but people don't want to change. Have you ever read the the Forty Eight Laws of Power? No. What's okay, that? it's a, actually I'm reading the other book. So Forty Eight Laws of Power is by Robert Greene, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just this dive into his his way. Some people think it's an evil book, but it's not. It's a book. Right, but it's a good way to look in human nature. So the idea is: here are the forty-eight laws of how to become powerful mm-hmm. uh, in just being in the world. And there are certain rules where it's like you know, find a mark that's dumber than you and make them feel like they're smarter than you. Uh, find people to do the work, take the credit, things like that. So that's why people think it's evil. Mm-hmm. But this is actually how powerful people think, mm-hmm. you know. And one of them is. Uh, promote change but don't actually do anything and you can get a following of people when you just talk about we're going to change we're going to change but people don't want change because the minute you change like what the fuck are you doing yeah you know but it's like people don't like to change they like to say they want to they don't it takes a lot of progression it takes a lot of years of patience for people to finally okay let's Let's look into this. That kind of reminds me of like everybody who runs for presidency. That's what it is, man. They, well, they all want but change. Also, they're like, eh, you, you promote it, and you know the, that's the other thing that people don't understand about presidencies is that a president will not have an effect uh, in his lifetime, in his term. That the effect will be happening for decades beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, like think about Abraham Lincoln freeing the slaves, right? So when did when did uh, civil rights actually actually kick in? Kick like, in. Uh, well, I think I remember a uh, hundred plus years past yeah, like, <laughs> past Abraham I, I think, Lincoln. I think like Texas was the last state to actually fully get into the whole civil rights, and I think it wasn't until like eighteen something. Dude, it, it was in nineteen fifties when when yeah when the civil. I mean Martin Luther King was nineteen fifties <laughs> when they were like, yo, the Beatles had to demand people to be allowed to be yeah. in the same performance. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, that's how long it takes. Mm-hmm. You know? Because you have to erase hundreds of years of, but it was this way before and I like this way. Uh-huh. I didn't actually want to change from this way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it's just that. It's, 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 people get so impatient with, with the progression of human nature, but it's human nature, man. It takes work and work, and it's never done the first. No, never done right the first time. Never done right the first time. People will always fight against. I mean, climate change. Yeah, that's crazy. Look at how many people are fighting to believe it's a hoax. Yeah, they knew about it in the sixties. Yeah, I know. But and it's uh, it's it's that whole now the argument is, well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, why wouldn't we try? And it's it's that it's like because people don't actually want to. Nope, not yet. No, until it's it's like it's nice I, to I mean, say, but the air conditioning's on right now. I mean, are we yeah. re- are we ready to give up our air conditioning? No, not really. Well, exactly. Yeah. I made this analogy before, where like the world, the population, human mankind as a whole is like a an, a man who refuses to go to the doctor. Yep. Until like he's really, really until sick, and then really he has sick. to go, and that's when we decide as a. What? That's you. <laughs> that is not me. Yeah, <laughs> that's when we decide to finally fix it. I got traumatized when I was twenty-one. I got my butt checked, and I wasn't supposed to until I was forty. 
Oh, there you go. Well, at least you got to check that out early, you know? <laughs> Everybody was telling me, like, uh, like you were supposed to have your prostate exam until your 40s. And I was like, my well, doctor wanted but that, to but do now it to you me. Just, but you just said exactly why people wait till their 40s. Oh, don't mm-hmm. wait, wait until it's a problem. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. You know? That or my doctor was just really into it. I check it early, man. <laughs> oh, so. Uh, I, whatever. Hey, you had long hair one time. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. I remember watching you here. Yeah, you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was not even a style choice. I was just cheap. I didn't yeah. want to pay for a haircut. <laughs> That's all it was. People think I did it on purpose. They're like, no, I just didn't want to pay for a haircut. Yeah, I kind of feel like that sometimes. It's a broke too. comic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, $20 uh, every two weeks. Like, yeah, that's I'm, just I'm cool. get expensive. Yeah. And then you have to find a good place and you're constantly yeah, traveling. And, just, and then it just became a thing. So, um, about your... Um, when you're traveling right now, what have you noticed like a change when you first started doing comedy and now? Because, you know, we're going through so much stuff with like the Me Too or the yeah Me Too movement yeah, the and, then, and like, all the PC that. culture. Like, um, when well, you, here, the funny thing is this. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the whole PC culture is just internet based. Mm-hmm. It really is, because in in the actuality of life, the world is uh, the world is rated X anyway. You know, it just is. All right. Um, I think. See, the PC culture is happening because of the people that absorb all of their entertainment and information without leaving their house. Mm-hmm. So everything seems extreme when you can see it on loops and it's enhanced and it's constant and it's vlogged and it's blogged and it's advertised to you. So it can feel like there's an extreme. It's kind of like gang culture. Like I was just mm-hmm. talking to somebody today. They're like, oh, I, I was uh, working in Salinas, California, and I didn't even know that that was one of the cities where uh, I guess, you know, uh, there's a big Mexican gang there. And I'm like, well, yeah, gangs don't mess with regular people. They mess with gangs. Yeah, they just fuck around with each other. Yeah. If you were a regular person, they don't want to get that attention attracted to them. Now, yeah, you'll have knuckleheads that rob people, mm-hmm. but the gang, if the gang, if they do it in the name of the gang, the gang will handle that knucklehead. Yeah, because they don't want to draw attention. They don't want to draw attention. They don't want people looking at their business, you know? Uh, and that's the reality of gang culture. It's like, no, we fuck with each other. If you want to be in the gang culture, well, then we will mess with you. Mm-hmm. If you're a regular person... That you're getting robbed by tweakers and assholes, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's not gangs that are that are plotting to rob people because they don't want that on them. That's why Takashi Six Nine is in so much trouble because nobody wants that. That gang doesn't want their information out there. Yeah, and he's given it up. But that's their problem for allowing a non-gang member into their circle. Oh, yeah, I I, I don't you know. know I'm I, I'm seeing that on Facebook and about him snitching on and saying all this stuff. I, I'm not too. They robbed too, him. They, ro- they, robbed they fucking kidnapped him and robbed him. And then he got sent to jail because of whatever the fuck else. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, man. Okay, so basically, th- this guy is a Instagram... Uh, he's a product of Instagram, social yeah, yeah. media. Social right? media. Uh, he's not rapper. a real gangster. Okay? And the way that he, he got that fame was he did a music video with real gangsters. Mm-hmm. And so they pushed it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, look, check us out. We're doing this guy's our guy. So then he started making songs about that specific gang, you know? So that's how he got his fame. It's like, oh, this guy is shouting our name. It's our props. You've got to play this song. This is about us. But, and it's so funny because it's a Dr. Dre line, 
uh, where it's like, you know, that's exactly how extortion happens. Mm -hmm. People get gangsters to be around them and act tough, but they want to live comfortable. And it's that idea, like, he put himself in there, in that culture. Now, when you're around a bunch of guys who are already in that gang mentality, and you're flashing money and chains, they're plotting on you because you're not part of their gang. That's what happened to Tupac. Yeah. Okay, Tupac kicked uh, a gang member in the head and started a fight. Tupac wasn't in a gang. So it's like, yo, they <laughs> talked to Suge. They're like, yo, yeah. Suge, your man started a fight with a rival gang. Yeah. He ain't in the gang. Somebody has to pay for this. So who ends up getting shot? Tupac. Exactly. The guy that wasn't even in the gang in the first place. Suge survived. Because they, they didn't kill the actual was gang the member. Was the one who had, had him killed? Well, I know that's debatable. But yeah. if you understand gang culture, uh, more often than not, the killings happen within the gang Yeah, within itself. the gangs. And that's like motorcycle gangs, things like that. Like, they, they take care of their own. It's the same yeah. with governments. Somebody is a fucking... It's, if somebody's fucking with the U.S. government, inside the U.S. government, that person's getting taken out. It's not yeah. the other countries that are killing uh, our people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like the, that'll start a war. It's just like the JFK thing. You yeah, know? he was I mean, the mobsters' people, and then he started fucking up, and the mobsters mm -hmm. were like, "Okay, we we yeah. we we boosted him up. Now we gotta take care of this." Yeah, man. Kim I mean, Jong Kim Jong Un killed his own uncle. Oh yeah, yeah. He, it wasn't South Korea, did it? No, nah, he did. It's Kim Jong Un. <laughs> I think you know? hasn't he had a lot of his family members? Like, I think he. Well, I know that uncle for sure. I don't know who else. Was but. that the one who got poisoned? No, uh, that was uh, he threw him like in a fucking uh, in, uh, into a hundred and twenty hungry dogs. Oh shit! hundred and twenty hungry dogs. So he was ripped apart. By he animals? was ripped apart by animals. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Uh, oh yeah. Pause. Pause that recording right there. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna start part two. We're back. So I was talking about the forty eight laws of power mm -hmm. on my pee break, um, but it's a book that. I would recommend everyone to read and to allow their children to read because then you have an insight into the way the evil and powerful think. Mm -hmm. And now you can catch them. When because, they're trying to use it on you. Yes. Because more often than not, you know, it's like people that get scammed. They're always like, I didn't know. It's like, you didn't know? Well, then learn. Mm -hmm. And if you learn the way they think, then you're able to stay out of that situation. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, um, I used to go on the road with a guy that I'm not going to mention his name because he's a, he's a terrible person, but <laughs> he was a pathological liar and oh. I would always catch it. Yeah. And even his family knew and his friends knew, but he was so deep into his lies that it was like, how do you confront him about it? And I asked a friend for advice. I was like, dude, we all know that he's lying. And my buddy was like, Look, man, here's the deal. If you confront him about his lies, mm -hmm. now he won't say anything to you. So it's better to know he lies so you could deal with it versus confronting him and now he shuts down completely. Yeah. And now you don't know anything he thinks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, and it's actually part of 48 Laws of Power. I saw it later on where it's like, don't confront people about their stuff. See what they do. And then deal with it in that situation. Yeah, and also, most of the time it's just leave. Like yeah. know it. You're never going to change them. No. So it's like, okay, I know you do this. Can I work around it, or am I going to leave? And I stop working with that dude. Eventually, it's like, yeah, man, you're, you know, 
He doesn't, I never confronted him about his lies. There's no point. He's too deep in that world. I wonder if he's all like thinking, yeah, whatever happened to Nick? We used to go out all the time. No, he, he went out <laughs> lying more about me. He went out <laughs> telling people like, oh, Nick was always uh, mean to me. He's a big dude. He was bully to me. Like he tried to make himself the victim, which is what pathological liars do. Yeah. No matter what, they make themselves the victim. Oh man, I hate those type of people. Yeah, like, well, you... most people are like that. When you learn that, uh, I would say 80% of the world people make themselves a victim. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at our president. He's a victim. <laughs> yeah, he is. Everything he says is, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Look mm-hmm. at what they're doing to me. Witch hunt, this and that. Oh, everything's rigged against me. He is basically, that's why so many people voted for him, because that's how a lot of people think. Yeah, that is how They believe that they're the victim of <laughs> stuff beyond them, and that's why they're poor, and that's why they're fucked up, and that's why they're an addict, and that's why, you know, people find those those ways of of, uh, of justifying their terrible habits mm-hmm. rather than change. comes back to, they don't want to change. Oh, give me an excuse, and I'll do it, and I'll, I'll use it. Like, I would say this, as a comic, the worst part about being a comic is... We're creative people, which means we're really good at finding out reasons not to do something. Mm-hmm. That's why there's so many lazy comics. We're like, you take podcasts, for example, right? I remember when it first started happening. What did every comic say? Man, everyone has a podcast. Man, everyone has a podcast. Why would I do a podcast? And it's like, yeah, but every... So every stand-up has a podcast. You know what else every stand-up is doing? Stand-up. So why the fuck are you doing it then if you're so afraid of what everyone else is doing? That's a very good point. I get told that too. Like, oh, you have a podcast? Uh, I'm like, yeah, what's the big deal? I want to sit down. I want to talk to the people I I work with. Do what you want to do. Do anything you want to do. Yeah. It's the people that say, oh, you have this, oh, you have that. They're trying to find an excuse to why they're not successful. Their frustration. They're they're frustrated. And frustration is knowing what you need to do and not doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's their problem. They know they need to do it. They just don't want to do it because it's work. It is work. So work. they'll they'll shit on everybody else. <laughs> a lot of looking at me like you need to put work in it. I know I've been putting it, work it into the comedy. Dude, it, it just it, it it's a progression. It you is. Know what I'm saying I you, still haven't found my 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 personality on stage yet, and I'll get there. Just know your opinion. But... Well, his personality is there. It's just uh, keeping. Uh, what is it? Uh, consistency. Yeah. Oh, okay. That, that's, okay. that's what he needs to Well, work. here's the thing. All right. The problem with listening to comics uh, pontificate about stand-up is they go the artist route. Mm-hmm. They tend to say everything in an artist mindset. Oh, you got to find your voice and this and that. What is your voice? This is your voice, your opinion. What's your opinion on anything? Yeah. The more that you know yourself, the more you'll be able to expand on thoughts. And you will not be writing jokes anymore. You will be writing humorous anecdotes, thoughts, things like that. Just know your opinion. Mm-hmm. It's all you got to do. And nobody can defeat you on stage. You know, uh, so often people try to find the joke in something. But the joke is how that was even funny in the first place to you. Don't try to find a joke about this thought that popped in your head. Why the fuck did you think that was funny? And that's the bit. Mm-hmm. Why did this come in my head? Don't try to set up a scenario so you can always say it. Just yeah. why the fuck did I think this is what I thought when this happened. This is why I think it's funny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's really the basis. And then if you know your opinion on anything, then nobody can throw you off. 
Like I have a bunch of crowd work videos, right? And yeah. people are like, man, you're so good. Well, how do you do that? It's just because I know what the fuck I'm talking about. They don't. They've spent five minutes trying to be a comic. Yeah. I've spent 13 years. So whatever they say to me, I know exactly what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. They can never throw me off because I've been thinking about this shit. Yeah, it's kind of also like, you know, you, you get, <clears throat> you learn from a scenario that you've already, that you've kind of already been in. Because people tend to like, people always kind of see something and they're, they're, they're going to have the same mental thought when somebody reacts to it. Like, let's just say, uh, you, you say something and somebody's like, oh, you know, makes a, a some weird point. And but then like they're not going to be the original person to have that thought. So no. of course you're going to be like, oh, well, I've because heard they this don't tons of times. Thing. Yeah, most of the time people people are just regurgitating things that they heard that sits well with them. Mm-hmm. People don't actually sit down and think, you know. But we as comics, that's what we're supposed to do: observe, think. Why is this? Why is that? Why is this? Why is that? And the more you ask that of everyday situations, the better you will become as a comic. Like I remember when Jim Jeffries performed at Hyenas. The first time he came to Dallas, and I did so. I was on the little uh, group that went with him to radio. Yeah. And I saw him the way he worked, and he just kept asking why. Like somebody would say something, like, "Why do you think that? Why do you think that? Why do you think that?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's how he he breaks down thoughts." Now I'm not sure if he does it consciously or that's just a habit of his who has made him who he is. But I'm like, this guy's constantly asking why. And then finding the reason and finding the connection and how can I connect this to this. That's why I connect Takashi to the government, to the president, to Tupac, to even uh, ghosts. You know, like I was gonna, I was thinking this in the bathroom. This is how my mind works. This uh-huh. is why I'm able to tie everything up. Gang culture is uh, is also apparent in the paranormal <coughs> because who do evil spirits go after? The normal people that invite themselves into that world. Mm-hmm. It's that never somebody that doesn't invite that is it. That's true. People who fuck with Ouija boards yep. and, and ghosts to haunted so houses. Ghosts places. are like, oh, you're, you're stepping in our world. Good. We needed that doorway. And that's the people that get fucking spirits chasing after them. Yeah. You know? It's like people who are atheists don't get possessed. <laughs> that's funny. Because <laughs> they don't believe in it. Yeah, maybe that's why I've it's never had It's always the people a... that are on the outs with their religion. Like, I don't know if I truly, or even just weak somehow, mm-hmm. but they have ultra faith. Like, possession usually happens in a very, very religious household. Mm-hmm. Careful. Yep. It's fair. <laughs> maybe that's why I've never had any kind of thing like that happen. Cause I, well, if you look for just, it, yeah, you'll I never, see it. I never really... I don't really believe in ghosts and, and yeah. situations like that, so I never... I mean, I, li- I used to live in this house in Davenport, Iowa. It was like a little bit built in the, like the 1930s. It's an old house. Yeah. It was uh, technically four stories from the basement all the way to the attic, and and every compartment was its own little with its own room. I never had any issues with the house. You know, it would creak and whatnot. And I'd be like, "What's well, a fucking house?" Yeah, it's house, old house. Yeah. Yeah, and then but my my sisters would freak out because you know one of the closets was like a stairway. To nothing, because they're like they they converted the, yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. duplex at one point, and yeah. there was one hallway that was like a uh, this weird closet where it just had these shelves and it had a big old mirror on the door. And she said she always felt something really 
You just freaked negative. yourself out. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah. You know, I lived there. I, I even, I stayed there to the point where nobody was living in the upstairs anymore. It was just me by myself, and I never had any problem. Yeah. But I never really believed in stuff like that. If you go looking for it, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. You give energy to it. Yeah, that's it. And that's all it is. It's all energy. You know? It's, it's the same thing as, like, if you constantly believe in the worst happening to you, then it will. Yeah. Because you're putting it out there. Well, then I'm glad I'm a very positive type of person. Dude, it, I'm very <laughs> People always wonder why optimistic. they get in situations, but then they spend days, months, weeks just obsessing over negative stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a, in Japanese culture, they do have a saying, Powers hold, or words hold power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. I mean, you know, I break everything down. It's funny because the Japanese culture, it's the idea of chi. The energy, you know, and, and uh, I mean, if you've heard the podcast, you've heard me bring it up all the time, mm-hmm. that everything is based in energy. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing that science and religion have in common, and they don't want to acknowledge it. They both believe in energy, you know? Yeah. It's just one's put spiritual on it, the other's put basic energy into it. Like, the uh, we're all energy, you know? What we're seeing right now is just a solidification of molecules that have decided to become that mm-hmm. but we're all light we're all energy you know so yes of course we're going to to be whatever thoughts you have will manifest because you put that in there you know and you've accepted that negative energy into you mm. or positive whatever it may be you know you're fucking mind blowing, man. Well, I like, just see your ties. She's like, <laughs> she's like, whoa. Well, I, I just constantly. That, that's the thing. My, my biggest thing is why, 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 yeah. why do people think this? Why is this? Why doesn't this connect to that? Why, 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 why? It's the idea of like, like the stupidest thing that I think uh, religious people actually believe in is that God created the earth in seven days. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the storytelling technique. Mm-hmm. Because if it was any longer than seven days, people wouldn't buy it. But what the fuck was a day when he created this? Yeah, like how how would they know what the time frame uh, exact frame would have been would have been at the time? Would, so if you really point. believe in that, do you really think seven days? How do you know what was a day to him? Or is that just a better storytelling technique? You know, mm-hmm. which is like the number three. You know, three wise men, three blind mice, three. There's storytelling techniques. Mm-hmm. That people have used for centuries in order to sell a story to you. Three Musketeers. Yeah. It's like movies that are... Uh, Three Musketeers. Yeah, exactly. It's like movies that jump from... If you watch if you watch most movies... It's funny. I read a script book called Save the Cat. And this is where they talk about it. Uh-huh. They were like, you can't... If you want a blockbuster movie, never have a situation take years to fix. Okay? It has to happen that time. If you can get it in one day, that's when it should happen. Three days at max. So if you watch most movies, most problems are like, the weekend, this happened, three days, one day. Because the human mind does not want to believe that it takes years for a problem to finally be fixed. Yeah, yeah, everything happens so quickly. It's rather be quick. Like, how does, the quicker, how does, the more like all this happened in two days? What yep. the hell? Like, they met, they fell in love, they had a kid. It's storytelling. Mm-hmm. So when you really start breaking it down, you're like, oh yeah, seven days didn't exist in the beginning of the, of, of the world. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, well, how do you know? Well, if you, a god day could be a billion years. That's true. Well, yeah. if you think about it, well, with the discovery of uh, what do you call them, black holes? Yeah. 
time's not consistent. Exactly. Then there's that. It's yeah, exactly. Time is not. That's the other part of it. You know. I've I've listened to a podcast about that too, about how black holes have can be warping time in their own way. Do you know anything about that, or just kind of like? I mean, I only like, know what, what what the general idea of a black hole uh-huh. is. You know, or or the. I know you see this stuff where it's like if you left Earth, like for I forget how many light years away, and you spent five years out there, that when you come back, everyone's aged fifteen years. Yeah, that's true. I've heard that uh, too. Yeah, because like, the black hole. If you're going further away from the black hole. Yeah. Then yeah. Mm-hmm. So do I believe in it? Yes. It's mm-hmm. kind of like this. Okay. So um, aliens started coming to Earth. Apparently, mm-hmm. if you believe in aliens. You hear that they came to Earth during the beginning of civilization and then around the time the atom atom bomb was released, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, We don't know where they're at, but if there was a telescope on another planet, I forget how many light years away, if they were looking in the Earth, they would be seeing dinosaurs, all right? Yeah, yeah. So let's take the first time a meteor fucking hits the Earth. That causes a big enough explosion to attract the attention of aliens thousands of light years away and the, by the time they get here Egyptians are already here mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying by the time they shoot they miss the dinosaurs but they're here in time for Egyptians yeah so then they like talk to them all right this is how you do this and that all right see y'all later we'll come back yeah, these guys aren't developed enough so let's take off then all of a sudden the atom bomb hits right yeah so they're probably gone for five minutes in their head the atom bomb hits they're fucking back yeah and they're like <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> because that's a big thing. Yeah. That means that these people that they saw as primitive mm-hmm. figured out a way to manipulate the tiniest element of life, a fucking atom. And that's what brought them back. They were like, yo, they have figured out how to manipulate this shit. They are weaponizing. Because honestly, this is what I feel about aliens. Mm-hmm. And obviously now you know I believe in them. Uh, I believe in them too. Because it's, it's this. Whether they're from, and then there's the belief that it's us from the future, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. That's they're out way. there, they come back, they're like, what the fuck are we doing right now, you know? Whatever, right? That's a good point. It could be us they from could the have future. Wave. Yeah. So it's the idea of, we are a hostile planet. Mm-hmm. We just are. All right? The, the most illogical thing about humans are feelings. But that's also what makes us humans. That's also what makes us unconquerable mm. we are chaotic we are very hostile if we are put in a situation we fight almost everything on this planet is hostile you know so that's their concern with our planet is that once these people weaponize they are fucking ready to fight whereas you've got the aliens supposedly the gray aliens yeah. that are more peaceful then you got the lizard aliens who are more violent but that's their extremes. We are a mix of those extremes, and that's what's so engaging about us. It's like, to them, we're fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't know. And it, it's, it's, I used to have this joke about that's exactly why the United States never gets invaded. Because it's, it's a melting crazy. pot of crazy people. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's a melting pot of crazy people that were created by the craziest of people, people that didn't want to, that the rebellions of the world, the rebels, are in the United States. Everyone that left their country, Mm -hmm. that didn't want to be a part of their country, are what makes the United States. 
And I was always, I had this joke where I was like, there's no way we're ever going to get invaded because because if any country tries to invade us, they have to go through Florida first. (laughs) And that's one state. Yeah. You know? And it's like, it's not going to happen because we are too chaotic because the rest of the world, because we have no, we have no uh, decided religion in our country. Mm -hmm. We have no decided loyalty in our country. There's two different political parties. We do have a freedom. It's not as big a freedom as some places, but because of that mix, nobody can guess how Americans will really react to something. Well, you and that's why they don't fuck with us. We're always at war with each other, so it's exactly. easy to turn our eyes yeah. onto someone else. Whereas other countries, they are... Japanese are Japanese. Yeah. The end. Americans are like, no, man, I'm Colombian, I'm this, I'm that. I'm, it's just, I'm from Georgia, I'm from Texas. <laughs> I, you know, I have root for Packers. I root for, it's yeah. fucking constant chaos, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's like you have a crazy family, and then you go and then you go and like mess with one of them. Not that whole crazy family that was concentrated on themselves. Now they're all looking at they're you. They're all looking at you. And like you got all the crazies looking at you, and they're like, well, f- no, fuck that. Like, well, I, I, you guys yeah. are beating them up. Why can't I beat them up? Because he's part of us. Because he's part we're of us. We're allowed to beat him up. And we're going to fuck you up. Yeah. We are, one of, we are the most hostile country mm. in all the world. We also uh, displayed our willingness to like. To bomb. If you yeah. can't have it, no one can. Yeah. <laughs> For the toddlers. That's it. It's like, fuck it, you know? And that is the good and the bad of America. Mm-hmm. The good of America is somewhere. In our existence, someone made the call to drop those bombs and be the bullies. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the world is like, well, we're not as aggressive as them. Like, in World War II, when Americans were stationed in Italy, see, because it's a, it's against the law in Italy to actually have a fist fight. Yeah. Because... Even right now? Even right now. Wow. You can't... I didn't know that. It's against the law. Because they would have handled fights by slapping. Slapping's fine. <laughs> slapping? Fist hey, fights too slapping much. can hurt, and you can knock somebody out with a slap. And the reason that they did that was because Americans, when Italian would, would station there, yeah. when that machismo would happen, they fucking yeah fist fought. They weren't slappers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's, that is why the world's like, oh, fuck, these people, they just flat out handle the problem. Yeah. You know? Like, that's it. <laughs> Like, I was reading this book, I forgot which, whether it was uh, Malcolm Gladwell's or, or Freakonomics or something, but there was a, a Japanese flight that was flying into uh, New York, mm-hmm. or a flight that was coming into New York with Japanese pilots, and they were so not used to the way that American air traffic controllers would just be con- on it, mm-hmm. that they thought that they were annoying the air ca- traffic controllers, and they ended up crashing because they were too polite to bother them. Yeah. Oh, and they, they have to be trained in other countries how to talk to Americans because we're so on it. There's no BS. Yeah. It's like, you're going to land here, you're this, this, that. And it, their culture is like, we're not. And there's a like black box recording where they're just both like, okay, they just stay in silence, the pilots. You know? <laughs> what? That's crazy. Like, oh, we don't want to bother them. We're so just, they just end up crashing, man. <laughs> What do we do? I don't you know. <laughs> so it's also that, man. It's just... I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I may be going too crazy with... No, no. This is fun. This is yeah. like super fun. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not like I'm... I don't know when I'll get another chance to sit down and talk oh, to you. Oh, yeah. One yeah on one. Sorry. So it's, it's I have awesome. A, I have a lot of... My brain goes like that. That's it. But that's, that's the fun that's, part. Yeah, that's the best part. Yeah. I mean, um, 
like, I'm not saying like I'll be big enough to ever work with you, but one day if I do, I'll be like, yeah, I know already how you work and 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 know well, you as yeah, a person. Man. Well, just do your thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do my thing. Keep doing my yeah, comedy. Just keep doing your thing. Like I said, just dive into your opinions. That's it. Yeah, that's what stand ups are supposed to be. Oh yeah, so we talked about the PC culture, right? And all that. Mm-hmm. How's it affecting? Um, so like I said, the the shelter of the home is what's killing comedy. Yeah, because people are uh, making themselves afraid. Just like your sister with the closet. You know, mm-hmm. oh, the mirror, the closet. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that's just happening on screens. People are over obsessing, but it's like, look, it's been filmed. The audience is laughing. It's done. In all honesty, the problem with with audiences now is uh, the tougher audiences to make laugh are liberals, mm-hmm. because liberals want to hear your entire statement to see how it sits with them before they decide whether they agree with it or not. Mm-hmm. Conservatives don't give a fuck what your thoughts are. You'll never change their beliefs. So they actually laugh more at everything. Yeah. Because no matter what you say, it's not changing. So they don't wait to see how it sits with them. They're just going to fucking laugh. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's the that's where the problem is. Yeah. You know, I'd rather perform to a bunch of conservatives because they, they are actually enjoying the show versus liberals who are like, hmm, I don't know where this thought's going, so I don't know if I'm ready to do it. And I fuck with people constantly on stage with the way I word things. Mm-hmm. You know, I make them question why they didn't clap. Like, I have this one joke where I say women are great. You know, and I say on stage, I'm like 526 shows, it's been about that, where nobody claps. Mm-hmm. You know? And I do it on purpose. And the people that get upset the most that they didn't clap when I point it out yeah. are women. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I give them the reason why and I explain to them why the hesitation, this and that, and then it changes... But through the show, I keep saying it yeah. till I say it like two more times till the point where they finally realize, clap. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, this is when you should be clapping. Yeah. And I've even been on stage and I've asked, I was like, I don't know why people hesitate when they hear me say that. I don't know if it's because I'm a man and they're not used to men saying it. Mm-hmm. I've asked audiences, I'm like, is that what it is? Like, you guys are waiting for me to say, and give him blowjobs or some shit like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's that... The audiences aren't used to a man saying that and and just saying it. And women are very weary of men that say shit like that because it's like, what's your angle? Yeah, like, <laughs> what, what are you trying to get yeah. at, huh? Yeah, because we know why guys start saying they're feminists. Mm-hmm. To fuck us. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm the saying? creepy ones. Yeah, you know, and that's the problem. There's a lot of people that say shit to get into your fucking pants, whatever your pants might be, whether mm-hmm. it's actual pants your wallets, whatever it is, they say what you want to hear, you know? So I love messing with the human mind in that way on stage. Mm -hmm. I'm going to present you with something that you're not, which is what good stand-ups do. I'm presenting you with something that you're not going to agree with, and I'm going to convince you Mm -hmm. on why this is, this is exactly how you should think. That's an amazing way to look at it. Yeah. And it's that. It's the constant that. And the problem is, is that now we live in a place where people, you know, especially with entertainment, there's more money in only saying agreeable things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, there's more money in being a pep rally than being a stand-up comic. So if you want to be a successful stand-up comic, just get on stage and say how great anything is. Oh, man, aren't the, uh, whatever town you're on, man, Philadelphia's great, isn't it? Just if you say that, 
it'll be selling out like crazy. Mm-hmm. Because people are like, yeah, everything we think. <laughs> you know? But where's the fun in that? Exactly. But that's the formula. There's yeah. no fun in it. So I go the route of like, well, I'm going to say things that are going to, that may sound like that, but then your reaction is going to be different, and I'm going to show you how to break your own fucking chains uh-huh. with the way you think. I mean, it's it's as simple as, uh, like, I get on stage, you know, and I'll talk about uh, Mexicans. And it's funny to me, because I'll, I'll do it on purpose, where I never mention the show that I'm Latino. And then when I bring it up, or when I say a joke about Mexicans, <laughs> you'll see the eye, and I'm like, oh, you guys are afraid to laugh, because you have no idea, I'm Mexican. And then now they all of a sudden start laughing. And it's they like, feel like it's okay. Yeah, oh, now the pat, but I want to break their mind uh-huh. of the stupidity of them, like... Holding it in. Holding anything in. Yeah. Cause if like, why the fuck is it funny now? Yeah. Because yeah, if it's funny, it should have been funny to yeah. begin with. You know? So it's just that. It's that idea of, like, why do you think that? Why do you think this? So I'm constantly mm. making the audience question uh, their own thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know? Along with having fun with it. You know, I don't get so deep, but there's a lot of, like, weird little uh, riddles in my stand-up, I guess, that I get through with them. So, uh, is your set slightly different than what it was a year ago? Or is it so I don't know. You know <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't, I don't know what I'd say. I, I just say shit. One of my favorite bits is, is the proper way to, to choke a girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll happen every now and then. Like, I did it last night. Uh, <laughs> I did okay. it last night just for the fuck of it. Um, there was an audience member that was, like, pretty mm-hmm. wild. So, I did it last night, but I don't... Uh... Yeah, once it's filmed and recorded, I rarely bring those bits out. Those little bits back? It just depends. I feel out the audience, and if I feel like, let's go there with them, or if let's not, then I, then it's, it's just up to them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Any, because you've been doing comedy so long, and a lot of the people who, like, view my podcast are a bunch of comics. Oh, no, no, lame. I know, I know. A bunch of comics. There will be, it's a growing experience for all of us yeah. to watch, but, like, is there There's any... a bunch of Dallas comics. Yeah, Dallas and Fort Worth. Ah, lame. You guys need to fix the legacy, man. <laughs> Yo, back when I started, we had killers. Now I'm coming here, you guys are all fucking... What, what, what are we... Dummies. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Yeah, man. You heard that from Nick yeah, Garrett talking shit bro, about the Dallas comedy. when I first comedy. started, bro, uh-huh. it was only like a... It was not more than 20 comics. Yeah. And we would shit on each other and heckle each other at open mics, but it would make us better comics, and we'd tag each other's stuff up. And we took criticism, and, and I remember coming back one, uh, not recently, but it's been like maybe six years ago, and this was the problem with with how the expansion of stand-up comedy yeah. is that all of a sudden people found their support group, and their support group would laugh at their shit no matter what, mm-hmm. and tell them that the veterans criticizing them was wrong, don't think like them, they think old. Where are the new thoughts? And then it would just be lame comedy. I'm like, mm-hmm. where's the bite? Where's the fix? Is nobody telling you how much you suck? You know? And yeah. And that, it's funny because like, uh, Eddie Murphy talked about it on, on fucking Comedians in Cars. Yeah. When he was like, nowadays in stand-up, people have their pockets of safety. Where they're like, I'm funny on a Wednesday, so I only perform on Wednesday. Ugh. Whereas back in the day, it's like, I want to be funny every day. Yeah, or like, I'm funny at this place, I'm only going to perform yeah. there, because this other place makes you feel uncomfortable. And that's the thing. Is I've that, heard that a couple times from other comics. It's like, why wouldn't you just do it? I mean, even if you feel uncomfortable, just do it. To learn. Yeah. Because it's that, they, because it's not getting that support right away. Hmm. But that doesn't make you a good comic. 
getting a whole bunch of support. Making a good comic is fucking eating shit. Yeah. In different places. That I do a lot of. And we're going to pause right there. Oh. Uh, you just started again. Yes, I did just start it again. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Okay. The Dallas the comics now. I mean, I don't know how this scene is anymore, man. It, it, I'm sure it's a really good scene. Okay. It was always a good scene. Let me, let me give you a little insight. Yeah. It is... I feel like certain things we can't, I can't act a certain way because I'm too over the top to where they say it's not funny because it's not it's too vulgar almost in a way yeah and and like you were saying where like um, people are too sheltered yeah I kind of feel like some of the comments are too sheltered too and like they're afraid to push boundaries sometimes and well, when somebody does push the boundaries yeah they're like pointing fingers at them like hey you know you shouldn't do that like cause you know they're all worried about like cause they're liberals bro oh my God. <laughs> and I'm a liberal yeah, but, I, I mean I am too but, but like, I'm a liberal I, in, in a way, the sense of like but that's but that's why I read fucking human laws of nature and 48 laws of power because I think like conservatives uh-huh. I know how the fuck they think you know so I know not to be so fucking shocked and offended that's the other part of it is like I guess because uh, my love of stand up is the idea of being pushed Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I love stand up. Like when my biggest influences were like Carlin, Pryor, Richard Jenny, uh, tons of John Leguizamo, people that kind of pushed the boundary in a little bit, right? And uh, yeah, it, it sucks that comics are getting sensitive, but it's not comics that are getting sensitive. It's hobbyists. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people in stand up in the stand up world uh, that are not stand up comedians. Mm-hmm. They're hobbyists. They're regular people who this is a bowling league for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, it, I see it, what it's you pool mean. night for them. You know? Where it's like, oh, oh, this is a place where I can go and hang out and be yeah. with these guys and, yeah. like, go and on then, stage then and then they talk feel and... like they're part of the world because they're around the world. And honestly, I hate these people. <laughs> you know, because in my head, it's just like, yo, man, you're you're taking the superiority of someone who's a stand up. But you have done nothing to prove that you are other than you've hung out long enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then you get the open mic kings. Now, there's open mic kings. These guys have been maybe in three, four, five years who have never gone beyond that. Yeah. But since they are the veterans of the open mic, they believe that they can. They are the rulers of the scene. Like they're the so, ones. Like they're the ones who can who who, who can who, who can like give the advice exactly. and, and be because like, hey, they are they've been around long enough. Uh-huh. But because they've been around long enough means that it's like, well, that means you never advanced. Yeah, because you're still here. Because everyone else left. And, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So these guys are filled with rules and everything's like, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, don't do a podcast, don't do that joke, don't do that, because they never did it. And they'd rather you stay where they're at than you advance beyond them because now they have to question their own their own progression in this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so those guys get on my nerves too. They always did, you know, and they still do. Yeah. Like I remember coming back to the scene after being on the road for a bit years ago, and I—that's why I stopped hanging out at Dallas open mics and shit like that. Was because I was tired of the guys who were so cocky because they were in it for two years and they were the funniest of the scene. And in my head, I'm like, "You ain't shit, man. Go do that shit in Shreveport. Yeah. Go do that shit in Chicago. 
Go do it anywhere else but here. <laughs> let's see. Let's see if Get it works. Comfort zone. Like you can look down on me all you want, but you're only looking down on me because you decided at some point somehow I, I my stand up or my career makes makes you look bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that's why I got tired of it. Now I think it's changed. Now I think uh, guys are coming out and they're actually more in love with the the whole experience of being a Dallas comic. But I've always said Dallas comedy is one of the strongest. The problem is we get in our own way. Um, and it's been like that forever. Like you said, the people like, why are you doing a podcast? Why are you promoting yourself? Why? That's, that's a failure's mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the idea of like, why are you pushing yourself? Uh, and it's because I believe in myself, motherfucker. That's it. That's the only reason why. Because I want, I want to make this work. You know, because I don't want to say I didn't try. They're finally saying they didn't try. I want to say I tried. Like, I had a buddy who we had a little writer's group, right? And there was the guy that was the head of the writer's group said, okay, everybody come in with your material. We'll go over it. Print it out, you know, so we can read it. And my buddy came in, and he had written all of his jokes Mm -hmm. on graphing paper. And he wrote them all diagonally in a weird way, sideways. All of us, the rest of us had our shit printed out so we can go over this. And it was in pencil, and it was lightly read, and he did not, that's all he did. And the leader of the group threw his paper back at him and said, that's why you're never going to succeed, man. See, because you, I gave you a task, and you did it at 70%, which means you didn't give it your all. Because if you fail, then you can excuse it on, well, I didn't give it my all anyway. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you failed at 100%, then you fell at 100. You think it's going to make you feel worse, but that makes you stronger. He's like, you're the type of guy that I could tell, you know, hey, go dig a ditch for me in an hour, and you will because you could see your progression. But if I put a book in front of you and say, hey, read that for an hour, you get frustrated because you can't see yourself progressing. There's no actual physical progression in it, and you're giving yourself an excuse to fail by not giving it 100. You know, and yeah. that's often what happens. You know, we get... They call it humbling yourself, but it's not. People want you to believe in yourself less to make themselves feel better. Because it's so much easier to say, oh, yeah, of course I failed. I only did 50% anyway. Fuck it. Mm -hmm. It's like it wasn't even worth my time versus I put all my time and heart into this and and what. And here's the thing. Nobody fails in stand-up. You just quit. (sighs) You know? Yeah. It's just how far are you going to push yourself? You know? Like, I just got done doing cruise ships, and I ran into this one comic, and I've been using this story since. I wonder if he's ever going to hear it. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, I just got a cruise. He's like, man, I can't do that. I just can't write that type of material. And in my head, I'm like, you can't write 15 minutes of clean material? And I was like, yo, I made three grand a week off of 15 minutes of clean material. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you in this game for? Write it. You know? Like, what's wrong? You can't write? I could. If you're a writer, you're a writer. Are you a writer or not? Right, and I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm a big fan of Eminem. When Eminem was about to drop the Marshall Mathers LP, yeah. this is a myth. I'm not sure if it's true or not. A reporter thought he was gonna throw him for a loop and said, "If you're so good at writing songs about drugs, why don't you write one not about drugs?" And he did. <laughs> and it was on the Clean album. It was called Kids, and he wrote it in his way. Mm-hmm. So not only did he take the suggestion, he did Eminem's version of an anti-drug song. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's a fucking great song. It's hilarious. You know what I'm saying? 
And in my mind, it's like, that's what it takes to be a fucking pro. If someone throws something at you, well, if you can't do it, why? Okay, not only will I do it, I'm going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And not only will I do it my way, you're going to fucking like it. <laughs> and that's the way you should look at creating yeah. anything. It's like, sure, give me the give me the challenge. And it happens, con- like, the best always do that. Give me that challenge, and not only will I do it, I'm going to prove you wrong 100%. You know? It's like I just filmed a dry bar comedy special. Right? Dry bar is G-rated comedy. Yeah. G-rated. You know what I'm saying? You can't say God. <laughs> you can't? No. They gave us a video that explained, do not say, mm-hmm. oh my God. You will have to change that to something else. Say, geez, or oh my Josh, whatever, right? You can't say it. That's how G-rated this fucking thing has to be. And what as you it? can what hear me on the podcast right now, yeah. I'm saying fucking motherfucker shit. You go see me live, I'm talking about choking during sex, I'm this and that. But when I sat, got offered to do this comedy special, which reaches millions of people, like people's lives are changing because of dry bar comedy. Yeah. And they said, you have 25 minutes clean? Yes, I do. And I fucking did it. And the director came up to me and he's like, you walked that line. Like you, that joke, he, he said one of my jokes, he's like, you got right on that line of clean to where we could use it to where we could not use it for our audience mm-hmm. and you danced on it and it was perfect and it's like that's what a pro does you know what I'm saying yeah give yeah. me the task I'll fucking do it and then I'll take your money and I'll continue on mm-hmm. and I'll do all my jokes about choking women during sex <laughs> <laughs> here's my G rated shit yeah. here's the jokes about my dick not working mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it all because I, in the end, want all that audience, and I want that success. It's as simple as that. Awesome. You know? Um, Sorry, was that too, too no, much? No, that's great. That's yeah. great, man. Um, one quick, the last thing I was going to top on. Is there any kind of like, um, for the younger comics coming up, is there any kind of like advice you got when you first started, or, or something even recently that, that stood you out? You talk too much. Some... <laughs> <laughs> That like- Every everybody uh, in the beginning talks too much. They explain too much, right? Mm-hmm. I once told my friend jokingly, I was like, "Man, that joke would be great if you had seven less words in it." And he told me at first he was like, "Ah, oh, he got offended that I said that." Then he went home and he looked at, he wrote down the jokes and he took out seven words. He's like, "Oh yeah, it's it's better." I said it jokingly, but he's like, "Yeah, no, I edit it, edit." You said it. Yeah, don't explain. Uh, the biggest problem with comics nowadays is they feel like I can't stand people are like. So I went on a Tinder date. Do you guys know about Tinder? Tinder's this app that's a dating app where you download it and there's pictures of people. Look, the people that know Tinder uh, don't need the explanation. And the people that need it explained will not get the explanation. They don't fucking care. No, they won't. It's like last night I referenced Takashi69. Uh-huh. My sister was in the audience. She's uh, My nephew was too. My nephew laughed. Uh-huh. My sister had no clue what I was talking about. But I didn't stand up there like, Takashi's a SoundCloud rapper, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I just moved on. Yeah. Whoever that joke was for, it was for. I did Takashi 69 reference and a fucking Parent Trap reference from 1966. That's, <laughs> that's where my references go, you know? Yeah. All over the place. And the people that laughed at Takashi didn't laugh at the Parent Trap. But the people that laughed at Parent Trap, and it's just like, you pick up what you want from it. Mm-hmm. You know? I talked about shrooms last night, and I had like four audience members. They were older. They asked me what that was. <laughs> you know I didn't spend time up there like shrooms are a psychedelic mushroom that grows from it it's fuck it if you get it you get it if you don't you don't and if you want to know what it is you'll ask me afterwards but obviously <laughs> they thought it was funny enough to ask 
Yeah. They're <laughs> like, oh, what is this? You know? <laughs> and that's it. Like, the audience is smarter than you think. Mm-hmm. Play to the intelligence of the room, and the dumbest person will act like he's intelligent. You play to the dumbest person, then everybody will clock out. Yeah. That's actually, like, one of the biggest things I've been working on with my comedy right now. All my sets, just, like, trimming the fat. It's just trimming the fat, just man. trimming the fat, getting rid of all Have you stuff. read uh, Stephen King's On Writing? No. Oh, read it. I'm so glad you brought that up from a writer's perspective. Oh, it's a great book. Yeah. Well, even, like, when I'm seeing comics go up, mm-hmm. I'm yep, just yep. like, oh, the second draft. Do that. Yep, the second draft is the first draft minus 10%. Shortening word uh, names, shortening locations. Like my biggest thing with Stephen King's on writing is like he has one part of the book where he's like, "There's a rabbit in a cage with a number nine on it." Right? Mm-hmm. He just says that. He's like, "I don't describe the cage. I don't tell you the color of the rabbit. I don't tell you what the nine looks like. I don't tell you that. You decide what that is. I just gave you that. It's up to you to imagine what the fuck you see." Yeah. You give but them the liberty to use to their imagination. Their own imagination. They get more invested. But the problem is, is people go like, so the cage was eight by this, nine by this. I mean, you hear it in the podcast, scary yeah, story. You guys talk My about house the is the 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 uh, the stairs are upstairs. The living room is kind of adjacent, <laughs> and it's kind of in the what the fuck does it matter? Mm-hmm. Tell me about the old lady in the goddamn robe. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, we don't need so many details. But people are stuck it's in that. They believe it. You know. Get to the All point. right. Get well, to the point. Like what the fuck is it? If this doesn't matter, I, I cut out so much of that shit. Because I'm like, oh, well, the shrubs are about five feet high in the forest. I'm like, where? I have to look through the stories and be like, does this matter? And I try my best to only leave in what matters. Because there's so many details where it's like, none of this fucking... Like, I hate the ones that... The constant line I, I cut out is, now, I don't believe in ghosts, but... I'm like, well, then cut it out, man. <laughs> yeah, why you oh, it doesn't there? matter. So you could be cool, the cool guy that didn't believe it and then got scared. <laughs> yeah. Well, what the biggest point is with stories, if it's not pertinent to uh, like just part of the main point, it should be foreshadowing. If it's not foreshadowing, it doesn't need to be there. Exactly. That's it. Where does it push the story? And that's my advice to comics. It's right. like, where, what is the point of this joke? And uh-huh. that's the other thing. Uh, if, you, if you offer up a problem, where's your solution? Because there's a lot of comics that go on stage, complain, 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 complain. Problem, 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 and there's no solution. It's All right? Funny. Yeah, it's just, it's nothing. So, like, Chris Rock talked about gun control in 96, mm-hmm. right? On um, Bigger and Blacker. He's like, you know, people are getting shot nowadays. You know what we need to do? Bullets need to cost $5,000. Problem, solution. <laughs> and people forget that. Uh-huh. Bill Burr talked about home invasion. All right? Hey, we got this gun, isn't that? He had the problem, and then he fucking talked about the solution. You know what I'm saying? I got it. I got to make sure it's small. It's a small gun. You don't want to be blind. He talked about every part of the solution. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's the other thing. A lot of comics think that it's just, I'm going to come up here and, and let out problems. Well, what the, where are you going to? You know, if you got nothing to say about it, then don't fucking say it. You know? Yeah. It's like people that, it's so easy to complain about Trump. Okay, and then what? Mm-hmm. What are you, you going to solve this with? Nothing? So you just up here complaining. Like, <laughs> give us something, and it better be funny. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Don't just give a solution. Make it fucking funny. Yeah. You know? I think that's the hardest part, though, for well, some people to make. How do you make that funny? It, but then they unless you live funny. in that world, Why? don't even talk about it. Yeah. 
Don't even put yourself through it, you know? Fucking Larry the Cable Guy ain't talking about it. You don't have to. John Panette didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. I love John Panette. So you choose which what you want to talk Jim Gaffigan doesn't talk about it. You can decide if you want to or not. But it's up to you, right? Yeah. So there's only two rules in stand-up comedy, okay? Mm-hmm. Every other rule was created by a bitter comic. And here are the two rules in stand-up that matter. The only two that matter, and these this should be the only two ever. Don't steal other people's material and have fun. Mm-hmm. That's it. Everything else is made up by a bitter comic. Yeah. Because before you go on stage, what does everyone say to you? Just have fun. Yeah. That's it. That's the reason why I do comedy, because... Just have fun. I want to just have fun up there. Do anything you want on stage, as long as you're not stealing material, and you're having fun. See, I want to steal material and have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then then, then Um, you're in see It's funny that you bring that up. It's funny that you bring that up. Uh, I, man, I want to... I don't want to talk about it because it's. We, I know you got something to do, but like, if you ever get a chance, Mencia came out with a video uh, about him coming back into comedy. I actually have. I have oh, it on really? Facebook, and I have it on my Facebook. And if you want, I can share the link to you so you can check it out. Okay. Total bullshit from the beginning. Yeah. Total bullshit. I gave it a chance. I went in there with an open mind, very unbiased thoughts. So yeah. Just give it a try. Maybe, maybe he's got something. Maybe he's changed. And, yeah, and from the very get go, I was like, nothing. Yeah, Mencia's an interesting cat, man. I've worked with him a few times. Uh, He's an interesting man, you know. But it's not that hard to say, you know what? I I fucked up, and I'm gonna come at it again with a whole new way. Like, unlike Louis C.K. did it kind of in the right way. He fucked up. He's coming back. He's like, I did fuck up. Yeah. Well, but then it becomes that thing is like like I said about relationships. How much more are we going to acknowledge the problem mm-hmm. before we move on? Because yeah. a lot of people said Louis did it wrong. A lot of people are like, Louis just came back. Didn't even really have an apology. You know? I heard that. I but heard it's just like, right. what the fuck do you want him to do? What more does he have to say? You know? Like, this is his life. The end. You, you took everything else away from him. Now all he's got is what the fuck grew him in the first place. Stand up. Yeah. You know? And that was your fault for thinking Louis was a good dude. Who told you to think he was a good dude? He's funny. He's funny, dude. Who told you? Who told you to think any comic is a good person? Yeah, we're just we're just trying to make people laugh. But yeah, well, but we could people be think because you stage. make them laugh that all of a sudden you're a good person. Oh, it's it's like, great. but they also want the celebrity to be something different. They want Will Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that one woman who put a comment uh, on one of Fifty Cent's pages about his kid, yeah. and Fifty attacked her, and uh, she was like, "Whoa, why are you being so mean?" It's like, "Yo, because that's who he is." Well, you wanted him to come and be like, oh, thanks for saying some shit about my kid. Yeah. Like, no. You fucking poked the fire and he went at it. Lopez does it all the time, too. Yeah. Where he'll say, say something and people are like, well, I wouldn't think he's in. He's like, well, then fuck you, too. Yeah. Who? Lopez. No, George. George Lopez. Yeah, 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 yeah. He constantly, like. Oh, yeah, he's, he, yeah. I remember that. Uh, what was it? He did something where, like, they were like, don't say anything about the president. He went up there. Oh, this just about the president. Yeah, man. <laughs> he's like, fuck that. Uh, there's just there's some prior did that back in the day. Oh yeah, prior did that a yeah. lot. People tell him not to be swearing so much. Yeah, well he did it at at a gay pride festival mm-hmm. where he felt like the black acts weren't getting respect. It was at the Hollywood Bowl, and he saw them like being mistreated, and he went up there and he shit on the whole. He pissed them all off. He's like, oh you guys want to be all about equality and love and this, and you're not taking care of fuck you. And he just fuck kiss my black ass. I don't give a fuck. Because to him, he's like, yo, you guys want to celebrate yourselves, mm-hmm. but you still want to be shitty, you know? And 
that is the heart of a stand-up. It's that idea of like, that's also why people are constantly like, hey, make sure you don't. <laughs> yeah. Because they know we're, we're liable to go off. And you can decide to, when you want to do that in your career or if you want to. I've had a lot of moments where it's like, yeah, I want to say something, uh, but I decide, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. You know, or do I just leave? And often, more often than not, I just leave. I just like, yeah, I'll just do my job and take off. I don't fucking care. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll wait till I'm at in Dallas to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I talk about shit. Oh, man. Anyway, sorry. Dude, thanks for coming on, and oh, man, this is so awesome talking to you, dude. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> Tell all those Dallas comics, man. Stop fucking around. <laughs> Uh, maybe we should no maybe that's the problem we need to fuck around more with each other maybe we just need to fuck around with each other a lot more dude it's just about having fun man you know that's that was the thing that I loved the most about coming to Dallas I think only Perio remembers it uh, was we would mess with each other we were we were roast battling before there was a fucking roast battle yeah. you know what I'm saying but it made us better comics it made us check what we were saying why we were saying it edit things actually make things funny and then, you know, a lot of us left, and the scene was kind of made to, to build itself again, because there was no vets, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And uh, I think that's what happened. Then all of a sudden, everybody, there was the groups that started coddling each other, because they were all at the same level, and it's like, well, fuck it, we are our own thing. We're not mm-hmm. them anymore. But then certain ones started getting success, and then people started questioning well, fuck, man, here I spent years coddling myself with these guys, and these guys kept doing better than me, you know? So it's like, just remind yourself to have fun, fuck around with each other, because the more that you do it now, and the stronger you get now, the better prepared you will be mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. when you're trying to make it make it work in the world. Yeah. You know? Because that's the goal, isn't it? Yeah, to I mean, get what out is there. your goal? Let me ask you before we go. Okay. What is what is it you want out of this? I give me the and I want the actual answer. I don't want the answer that you've created because it makes you sound good in front of comics. Mm-hmm. Why did you get into stand up? What whose career would you love to have? Okay, that's the two different top questions. answer. <laughs> okay, well tell me that one first. Whose career would you love to have? Oh man, uh, shit. Be honest. Whose career? Like an actual person, like actual a com- person. comedy person, or just anybody. Yes, anybody. Whose I, career I think, would you love to have? I think Bill Burr's career. Bill Burr's career. Yes. Okay, so you want to do the the I'm gonna road dog it and fucking hammer until I pop kind of thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Because I know that. Put that in your head. Okay. I would love to have a Sandler career, where I'm so successful that I can launch other people's projects. That's mm, the career yeah. I would love to have. Now, you know, I'm not going to have it in his time frame, obviously, because he got that at 26. But always strive for the top of your desire. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Strive for it. Okay, I want Bill Burr's career. That's what I want. I am going to be... And Burr even had to check himself halfway through his career. Yeah. Because Patrice had to tell him, yo, do the shit that you say off stage, Because you're up there being somebody else. And then Burr started to change. I remember hearing him say that. Yeah, and then figured out his own opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Figure out your opinion, hammer it as much as possible. The idea of Burr is it's better be funny and it better hit hard, right? And remember that, right? And Burr doesn't go for 
the back of the room laughs. Like I remember I saw him at the stand trying out some material and he started a bit and the com there was comics in the back and they started laughing. And he called him out. He's like, I, I, guys, don't fucking laugh at my premise just because you want to be the first one to think that they got what I'm about to say. All right? I don't need you fucking laughing at the premise. And he kept going. But it was that. It was like, don't, I know where the actual punchline is. Let me get to it. Mm -hmm. Don't try to be the first. Yeah, it's kind of that hipster mentality. I, I heard the record first before everyone else. It's that type of shit. Yeah. So it's like, if you want a Burr career, there is that, that route of like, I am going to hammer this out, work on it, and fucking just, you know, make sure everything lines up. Uh, the, do you have Hulu? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. So there's this thing on Hulu called Culture Shock, I mm -hmm. believe. Uh, it's a, it's a, have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I've flipped by it. Okay, so it's not the movie. There's a movie that, it's two several words, culture shock. Not the movie. It's a five episode thing talking about moments in, in our pop culture history, right? Uh, the fifth episode is Chris Rock talking about right before he came up with Bring the Pain, why he did Bring the Pain how people felt about Bring the Pain, his thought process throughout it, mm -hmm. and what, because that's what changes career. Like, he was uncertain of what he was going to do before Bring the Pain, you know? And he completely flipped, and he talks about it. And in there, Aziz, uh, they interview Aziz, and he says, you know that Chris Rock gets all of his sets uh, transcribed? He sends all of his sets to, because, and he said, it's easier for me to edit and read when yeah. it's all trans, that's how dedicated Rock is to stand up. He records his sets, he gets it transcribed, and he fucking edits. Yeah. On paper. Isn't that what we said we need to do? This is what we've been doing. Oh yeah, that's what we've been doing. So it's it's that. It's like, yo, you want that level of professionalism? You want that success? Do it, man. Don't fucking and do anything that you can to get you there. Mm -hmm. In the sense of, say yes until you can afford to say no really break down your material don't be afraid to like you told me earlier you're at the open mic and you dust off some old jokes dust off old jokes the point of the open mic is not to make people laugh the point of the open mic is to hear yourself say what your thoughts are and can it even come out of your mouth because more often than not our thoughts are perfect in our head but once we say it, it's like, does this even make sense? Am I rambling? Am I just oh, going yeah, I on? I get that, too. So the point of the open mic, once a joke works at a show, never do it at an open mic again, unless there's a real audience and you want to warm them up a little bit. Yeah. But don't ever do a joke that works at an open mic. Use every open mic opportunity to examine how you say things, how your thought comes off, and anything that you can come up with. And it doesn't have to be a fully realized joke. Like, me, I would get on stage at open mics, and I... I would say shit like, look, girl, I'll tell you, I think I'm sorry that I'm keeping you actual. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, I got all afternoon. You're the one who's got oh, schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is it? Like I would say, what did I say at an open mic recently? I was just about to ask. You still, like, are you still doing a lot of open mics? Uh, randomly, I have one that I like. Go to an open mic with people you like. Find that one person you trust who knows the way you think to mm -hmm. sit back there and just listen to you and, and take notes on it. Right That's all you need, you know? Because it, it's just that those are not open mic jokes. Those are sets. So, like, I would say shit like, uh, let me see here, an open mic. Uh, people pick and choose when to be patriotic. That's a thought, mm -hmm. you know? 
So I would say that and then I would like maybe pontificate it. But if I had like little things, like a filter is just saying, this is how it would look if I was prettier. Mm-hmm. And that got a laugh at the open mic, right? And I was like, oh, okay, there's something there. And then I moved on to the next thing because I had nothing else for it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, so the statement's good enough. Now, what is my point? You know what I'm saying? So practice statements, opinions, write in exclamation points, not commas. Everything you say should be a statement. This is this is this. Boom, that's Burr. Mm-hmm. There's no commas in his fucking stand-up. It's not a run-on thought. It's like, here's this statement. Here's this other statement. Here's this next statement. Here's the thing statement. Here's the act out for the statement. Here's how I'm hammering. So it's constant statements. A lot of people just write and run on sentences. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, look at yourself and say, what the fuck am I saying? Can I just say it? And train yourself to just say it. Just say it. Stop trying to figure out how. You know? This is my thought. Huh? Is that good enough? And I even do it on stage sometimes. I'm like, is that, is that good? Okay, I'll work on it. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's it, man. Oh, man. All right. All okay. right. Sorry. We're I, think, gonna... I think you got an hour Woo! and 30 minute podcast. Woo! Oh, no, I, we go two hours. I usually like to do about two hours. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so I, I'm not worried about time. All right. All right. Um, fuck yeah. Yeah, man. Okay. And keep enjoying the, the podcast, the True Scary Stories of the East. Yeah, guys, definitely check out the podcast. You know, it's on Apple Podcasts, all the good stuff, uh, the major podcast platforms. Uh, True Scary Stories with Edie. Yeah. Um, listen to it, guys. And uh, I guess that's it for now. Yeah, you got 50 you seconds. Oh, yeah, thank you for having me. Dude, yeah, of course. <laughs>